Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. We are at the Mexican GP review. Let's go. So we have another race weekend. And of course, you know, these are back to back races that we're having. And as fans, of course, we always enjoy and look forward to the Mexican GP. And I do like these back-to-back races. Of course, you know, the, the bittersweet um, the bittersweet aspect of it is, of course, we all understand that this season is coming to an end fast because we're having all these back-to-back races, including the one upcoming next week. All right, so let's jump right into the review, guys. As always, I want to give you kind of the markup to the actual race as this is not a sprint weekend. Uh, So for Quali, what we had was um, quite a surprise, actually. So before even going into the race, um, we had quite a surprise. We weren't expecting qualifying, and actually we had the Ferrari guys with Leclerc in first position, uh, Sainz coming in second, and actually Max, which, you know, we all thought, you know, that's just the normal pattern of this year and this weekend. We just expect Max, whether it's in qualifying or the race, we just expect him to win. That is how, um, you know, consistent he's been. But the Ferraris really, really... um, sprang a surprise and even if we looked at Friday practice we just were not expecting them to to lock out you know quali um you know first and second and not only us the fans but if you actually for those who tuned in and watched it was a huge surprise to Ferrari themselves <laughs> and the drivers actually talked about it both um Leclerc and Carlos Sainz were not expecting to be in contention. So it's amazing how even as fans, you know, we look, but when you see the actual members of the team, the actual drivers say, we had no idea we were going to get pole. That just tells you there's such a finite window with these tires. And this Ferrari of this year, and it was actually kind of the same traits last year as well, um, it just seems to have, you know, depending on the track, of course, it, it seems to have a tremendous speed um, over one lap and in qualifying. And, you know, it's a very, it's amazing how, you know, kind of the traits of last year's Ferrari and last year's car have kind of carried over to this year. And what happens is it's very fast on certain tracks in qualifying. But then when it comes to the race, it's always a different story. Uh, Mercedes and for the most part, McLaren now in the second half of the season, they have much better race pace and they're much more kinder uh, on their tires. So this seems to be the trend with Ferrari. So that was a surprise on Saturday, setting us up for an interesting race on on, uh, Sunday. Okay. So... Um, when Sunday comes, of course, you know, we were all in anticipation. And one of the things you wanted to see was, okay, 
Max starting in third place, you know, you have the two Ferraris locking it out. Uh, behind them, you know, you have the Mercedes guys, and they really did not have the qualifying that they wanted to have. You know, Hamilton was down the order in six, and Russell, um, you know, ever since they've introduced this new floor in the Mercedes, it's, it's you know, it's something I'll probably dive into a little bit later on in detail, but I'll just say you notice it and it's a very interesting change and you know this upgrade and new floor was introduced um in in Austin and the contrast that the true drivers Hamilton and Russell had to the car um is very interesting because for Hamilton immediately from first practice in Austin this was the last race in America um, you know, I mean, the last race that was held, but, you know, of course, in Austin, literally from first practice, he was on it. And even when you looked at the interviews and everything, there was a very visible uh, change in demeanor from Hamilton. You can tell um, he enjoyed driving the car. You can tell it responded to him better. Um, one of his statements actually um, in Austin for Hamilton, and I'm going to tie everything together with the Mexican GP was, he said it's the first upgrade that he could immediately tell the difference. But it has been a tale of opposites. Now for Russell, it's been a little bit different for him to adapt to the car. So that's why I wanted to give you guys that background. So Russell actually qualified even lower and that's just kind of following the trend the last two to three races. So he was, I believe, starting from eighth. Okay. So again, we were all wondering, like, you know, we all kind of knew in the back of our minds, even though Max was starting from third, you know, it's just a matter of time, right? Whether it's going to happen in lap one, whether it's going to happen in lap five, we just knew it was just a matter of time before, you know, Max was going to turn that um, and to get ahead in the race. OK, so once the race started, the action literally at the Mexican GP started on lap one. OK, um, it, it was amazing to see the sequence of events because we didn't even have to wait long. Max literally. And it was just a fantastic racing move. What he did was he was careful enough, but really aggressive. And he he got a fantastic getaway, Max did in that Red Bull. So he slotted his car right in between the two Ferraris, right between Leclerc and Sainz. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing that they did not really... Um, it's almost like they didn't have a defense set up because it's two of them. And when it's two against one, you have an advantage. Um, the second driver, which was signs could have actually blocked uh, Max at the beginning, but that did not even happen. I think it was just every man for his own. So he Max had a, a fantastic getaway. He slotted his car in between them and, literally on the first lap, he was actually safely able to get a getaway and get a jump on them. All right. But now within a few seconds of that happening, then you actually see uh, Perez, who 
you know, again, we carry the theme every single weekend, even in his home Grand Prix in Mexico, which by the way, he has such a tremendous support. You really uh, talking about a hundred thousand people. And even though um, his reputation and his name has taken quite a hit this year, he has literally underperformed from about race four, really. And every race, you know, it's it's kind of a constant theme on the podcast. It, it seems like every race he's gotten worse. And even in his home GP, you, you know, the support he had, the crowd loves him. And he, like I said, even though his name has taken such a big hit this year, um, it was nice to see that the fans, you know, haven't abandoned him. They still believe in him. So there was tremendous cheering for him. So, you know, you said to yourself coming into this weekend, well, there's only a few races left now before the year ends. So we were all curious to see maybe can he get a good result here because there's been rumors swirling around you have Daniel Ricardo, and it just seems that this weekend, actually, that AlphaTauri, uh, excuse me, between Sonoda and um, Ricardo, that car, the AlphaTauri, pretty much for the first time this year, um, showing signs of life. It, it actually had really, really good pace. And you saw Sonoda, who has been really consistent this year. But interestingly, Ricardo, who's finally come back, you know, from from his broken hand, he had a really good weekend. And so, you know, you have all these pressures because we clearly know it's not a secret that Ricardo is targeting you know, getting that second seat in that Red Bull. And it, again, it's it's not a secret. It's it, He's openly said that would be his ideal target, okay? So like I said, with, with the crowd support and everything, you would have thought, okay, this would be a good weekend for Perez to finally um, just make, you know, have a good race, have a good race in front of his home crowd because he's had so many poor performances and just like he does every single weekend, he had a really bad qualifying. And and coming back to this race, so I told you about Max and kind of what happened. Well, Perez, for reasons that I don't think any of us can understand, he suddenly launches his car. And now the, the, the cars are three wide. Okay. So... He's right beside uh, Leclerc, Charles Leclerc. And of course, Charles Leclerc has nowhere to go. So again, this is the first lap, you know, and Perez is not a rookie. This is a guy who's driven so many years and so many races. And for you to make that kind of calculation and what happens is, of course, it was so poorly timed and such a huge risk his car hits the ferrari because of course charles had nowhere to go it literally makes a bounce and he is now thrown to the side of the track okay he's done tremendous damage on the car mind you we're not even in lap two right now okay so he severely damaged his car 
So he has to crawl back to the pits. Okay. And so that's how this crazy race started. And I mean, if you're the crowd now, imagine you have not even made it to lap two. You haven't even made it to lap three and you have the fastest car on the track with that Red Bull. And yet you throw it all away on the first lap. So he crawls back to the pits. This is Perez. You can kind of see because it has extensive damages and the camera really doesn't actually show us too much, but you can tell, um, just like when they do, when there's major accidents, the, the, uh, mechanics are looking at the car and seeing, Hey, can we, is there anything we can change as far as the wings or is the damage different? And the damage was actually not on the wings. And speaking of that, that actually caused Leclerc to have damage on the wings. There was literally a broken piece and, I'll come back to Perez in the pit stop, but I was about to say the the, the commentators, uh, Crofty and Martin Brund, uh, Brundle, excuse me, were talking about it. There was literally an open piece uh, of carbon fiber, and it's amazing that the FIA wasn't calling Leclerc to come in because that piece was dangling, and what happened was it finally fell off. So you know, if any of the cars were to go um, accidentally on top of that carbon fiber, of course, that could have caused tire damage. So they had a virtual safety car for that. And uh, I'm assuming maybe one of the marshals, and again, the TV didn't show this, but I'm I'm assuming one of the marshals possibly picked it up, but they, they just had the virtual safety car, uh, the uh, virtual safety sign briefly and then it went back again but so going back to our story and i wanted to mention that because that was damage caused by perez and his collusion once the mechanics saw there was a huge damage to the body they actually basically said okay cut the engine off and you you can just see obviously even in the car how devastated perez was they put him back in the garage and as the race was going on I think what they were attempting to do, if possible, was to see if there's anything they could do um, to get the race car out, even if it's for a few laps. I think it's just for the fans and everything. But the camera panned back in the garage again, and he had sustained um, such a heavy damage, Perez, he basically was out of the race. So think about it in front of 100,000 people, you know, for you to make a miscalculation like this, um, it's just incredible. It's just how poorly um, Perez's season has gone. I don't know, you know, if I've ever seen a decline like this, um, where a driver who basically is armed with the best car in the field, for him, to weekend after weekend, to throw away um, his racing career. It, it's pretty incredible, um, but I'll just say that. So that was part of the race. Um, and so as you continue going down, so now we have the Ferrari guys right at the bottom. Uh, you see that Lewis Hamilton, and I told you guys, you know, the, the Mercedes didn't have the best of um, qualifying. They actually really didn't, weren't able to utilize it. Um, so, they were making good headway, especially Lewis Hamilton. Um, 
Russell was still kind of stuck behind, even though he had some good passes. But Lewis Hamilton had a really, not only did he have a good getaway, but he was really setting some blistering times, okay? And as we're mentioning Lewis Hamilton, which I'll come back to, um, another driver that had, you know, in qualifying, he, you know, he really tumbled down because of a mistake he did was McLaren's Norris. Okay. And I have to mention Norris because he started, and this is, this is not the norm for him, but, um, two races in a, excuse me, two qualifying, two races in a, in a row now he's had a costly mistake in qualifying. So Norris actually started from 17th, okay? So that was really interesting. If you think about it, you're really starting from far back. You know, it's one thing if you start from 8th or 7th, you can make a getaway and you can make a jump even at the beginning of the race. But for you to start that far back from 17th, you thought to yourself, you know, even Piastri um, qualified higher than him. You said to yourself, well, this is going to be extremely hard for Norris. Like, who knows if he's even going to get into the points, right? But that was actually not the case. So as the race was going on, um, Lewis, who, and, I, you know, I mentioned Norris and how far back he started, Lewis actually, after the first pit stops, he was able to leapfrog signs, okay? So this was one of the races where Mercedes' strategy was really, really solid, and it kind of uh, gave them a really nice stepping stone. And so he was able to leapfrog signs. So now, of course, what Lewis Hamilton is doing is with the the tire and the pace differential, because like I said, the Mercedes in race pace are really, really fast. And actually, um, we saw that we saw the evidence in Austin. And again, it was confirmed in um, Mexico. And of course, keep in mind in Mexico, there's always the the altitude always makes it difficult for the engines. And there's also cooling issue. Okay. Um, it's over 2000 feet above sea level. So it, it's harder for the engines and the turbo. And so, you know, the, the, the cars lose a little bit of downforce, but you can just see now between the McLaren and the Mercedes, you know, like I said, these final races, um, the car that is second to Red Bull race pace would actually be the Mercedes. And you can, you could see that the Ferraris actually could not match, uh, the next car, probably race pace, especially in this race in the hands of Norris was the McLaren. So, while um, Hamilton was making a really big headway, what Norris was doing throughout the race was just unbelievable. So he was actually making pass after pass after pass, and he was being aggressive when he needed to. Um, he didn't get any in any crashes. He was also cautious. And this is the difference between somebody like a Perez and somebody who has real skills like Norris, you know, for you to start from 17th. And as the race progressed, you literally saw him, you know, take care of one car after the other, after the other. Um, 
And actually, I'll tell you guys, after the race, Norris described this race as probably one of his best in, in his career. And I would not disagree with that. I would actually agree with that. It was a fantastic display. Okay. So I will tell you guys, and, and this is absolutely staggering when you think about it. Norris actually went from starting 17th on the grid. Listen to this. From starting 17th in the grid, he made so many excellent choices. And by the way, it's hard to do this and stay away from, from trouble when you start all the way in the back. He actually ended up finishing fifth. And um, he finally actually made a pass on Russell. Um, and so, of course, for Mercedes fans, it kind of... Uh, it kind of sucked a little bit because he made that pass right at the end before the race ended and he overtook Russell to gain fifth. OK, so we really have to mention uh, the tremendous race that Norris had. Like I said, Piastri didn't necessarily have um, that type of a race. OK, but just kind of giving you guys the lay of the land. And like I said, I will. um you know, I'll kind of come back to Perez and just kind of how disastrous his day was. But strategy wise, so we were seeing different elements between Ferrari and Mercedes. And of course, keep in mind, you know, Ferrari started first and second. OK, so you had a moment in the race where Magnuson's car um, actually had a crash. OK, he hit the barriers and. It's really important to note that this was actually not a driver error. Unfortunately, what you saw was when you saw the replays, um, the car had actually uh, suffered a suspension failure. Okay, so this was one of those cases where it had nothing to do with driver error. It was actually a mechanical issue. So uh, they said there was extreme heat. And I said to you guys a little bit earlier, cooling is a big, big issue in Mexico every single year. Um, there's less air available, and so the cars are on the limit as far as the brake heat, the engine heat, all that. So it's a very, it's actually a very punishing track on the cars, okay? So when he suffered the suspension failure, um, what Ferrari did strategy-wise, and of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. I tell you guys that all the time, so... In retrospect, looking at it, they probably did not have the best strategy, but they were going for a one-stop, okay? So that's one of the things that kind of changed the trajectory of everything because, like I told you guys, Hamilton was actually able to leapfrog signs, okay? But after those, um, after the, the that happened with Magnuson, there was a red flag, Okay. So the race was stopped. And so now that was just a huge blow to Ferrari's strategy because once you have a red flag and, of course, all the cars come back, now there's a tire choice all the teams had. OK, so that pretty much, you know, kind of harpooned all the all the tire strategy that Ferrari had. OK, so once the race restarted, Max, for the second time in the race, you know, first was the start. Now this is the restart. He had another great getaway. Okay. So now you're seeing kind of uh, the strategies in play. I mentioned to you guys what an excellent job Nor Norris did. Another driver who did really tremendous was Ricardo. Okay. And um, in that Alphatari, I told you Sonoda is very solid. 
And, you know, Ricardo doing well actually, unfortunately, ties back to the disastrous day that Perez had in making the mistake that he did. Because as I told you guys, of course, Ricardo's targeting that seat. All right. So that was going on. Now, Lewis Hamilton, towards the end of the race, he made a really and, and by the way, Lewis Hamilton had a tremendous race, you know, give him a lot of props. So he had some really crucial passes and he made another pass on um well, I, I told you he leapfrogged signs, and then Charles Leclerc, he had a really um, kind of aggressive, and, and Charles defended kind of aggressively. Uh, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton's car was actually to the side, almost for a few seconds, he was actually almost off track, but he had really good car control to take second place, okay? So Lewis had a tremendous um, race himself to finish second, and he made up some real good points. And of course, that comes as as a day where, you know, he's targeting second place. And of course, Perez didn't finish. So Perez lost a lot of points. All right. So the actual race results were Max came in first, Lewis came in second, and Charles Leclerc came in third. Okay. But I want to briefly go back, as I mentioned to you guys, um, I, I told you guys, I'll come back to Perez, you know. Sometimes there's some signs that we see, right? And when I say there's some signs that we see, um, you you can sometimes tie in certain themes together, okay? Here's what I mean by that. So the Mexican GP, there's, there's an annual festival that happens in Mexico. This is every year. It's a huge festival. The name of the festival, excuse me, festival is the Day of the Dead. Okay, how ironic is it that the Mexican GP, it's really held always at the same time of the year, very close to a huge festival they have, which is the Day of the Dead. And, and you know, in most cultures, uh, you probably wouldn't see a day celebrating death. Um, you know, most cultures don't do that. But th this is, you know, um, a longstanding festival held in Mexico. It's very popular. And the reason why I'm mention, mentioning that to you guys is basically the current situation of Perez, how much he's underperformed, how every single race and now in his home race, he has just um, uh, a catastrophe of a race. You can almost call it dead man walking because that's what it seems like. You know, um, things are very much in doubt in a day that he needed a great result. What a fitting title, you know, dead man walking, because that's exactly what he is. Ricardo outperformed um, what the car is capable of. You know, he's the guy who is targeting that seat. Now, Red Bull have come out several times and said, you know, uh, that Perez has a contract for next year, which he does. But. Things are not looking good, guys, and they have not been looking good now for over almost six months. So I really don't know how that's going to play out. Like I said, it's it's just a shame. Um, even when you listen to Perez after the races, I, and I, I don't want to, you know, this is not uh, 
Perez bashing or spending too much time. It's just how can I not talk about one of the biggest storylines coming out of this race? And after the race, when you heard him explain, hey, you know, this is a big risk I took and uh, I paid a heavy price for it. Yes, that's true. But I've heard plenty of races after the races where Perez actually never takes responsibility. And I, I hear him explain and say, yeah, as a team, we did this. And as a team, we didn't set the car up properly. And as a team, we did that. When is it going to be? I made an error. When is it going to be? I need to improve. When is it going to be? I need to stop making the mistakes that I'm doing. And I've been doing them every single race weekend. When is that going to happen? I don't know, guys, but I think that's one of the the very key things that has been a, you know, a huge turnoff to a lot of race car fans. And I, at the end of the day, he's not a bad person. He I think I believe that he has talent in him, but the fact that he never takes responsibility, even somebody like Max and, you know, we have to mention what kind of an achievement he has. And I'll get to that in a second. But when things don't go well in this incredible record breaking season, I have always seen him say, oh, I made a mistake in qualifying or I did this. This is a guy that's breaking records every single weekend. But I've always seen him put his hands up when he makes a mistake and says, you know, I made this error, so it wasn't the best of qualifying or it wasn't the best. He always takes responsibility. Same thing with Lewis Hamilton, by the way. You know, um, he had that error where um, he had a collusion and was eliminated from, from the race after uh, he hit his own teammate, Russell, which was very, which was a very bad mistake from Lewis Hamilton. You never, ever want to do that. Um in, in Formula One, especially somebody who's a champion like him and so experienced. But you know what he did after the race? I'm sure this is not easy to do, but he put his hands up and he said, hey, I was at fault. Once I saw the replay, this was my fault. I caused that. I shouldn't have done that. And this is missing from Perez. And I think this is really hindering him um, from making progress. Okay. Uh, let me finalize with this, guys, um, you know, in conclusion to the Mexican GP review. So Max has now, with this race victory, he has set a new record of 16 races, okay? And what is absolutely admirable is even with him, you know, sealing up the championship literally two, three races ago, Every single race he comes to, he is not backing off. You don't see any less effort. You don't see him relaxing. That is very admirable. No, you know, no matter what you feel about Max, and, and some people are big fans, some people not so much, but regardless of how you feel about him, I have very big respect to the fact that Every single qualifying, every single race, he is not relenting. He is not taking his concentration off, his focus. 
I have, I, I don't know the last time I've seen somebody this focused, this zoned in. He's still racing as if this is his first victory. Okay. I want to give you one last stat about him. Um, and, and I want you guys to digest this because this is unbelievable. Since the beginning of last season, not this season, since the beginning of last season, he has now won 31 races. Guys, that is staggering. 31 races. That is what kind of form he's on. Okay, so we just have to say kudos to that. Um, that's an unbelievable achievement. All right, everybody, this brings us to the conclusion of the Mexican GP review. As always, I really appreciate you from wherever part of the globe you're listening to. We have our TF1 podcast Twitter page whenever you want to check it out and take care until I see you soon. Bye bye.